Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs England daily podcast by the fans for the fans. Virat Kohli's India with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Root's England with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour. Good luck to both sides. May the best team win. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Test Match Daily. England and India have arrived in Ahmedabad. They are practising ahead of the third Test Match, which starts next Wednesday, which gives us a few days on these Test Match Dailies to uh, talk about a few other things associated with the tour and allied to England and Indian cricket. And I'm joined today by Nakul and Neil, who are going to try and actually help me out a little bit. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know I've got fairly fixed opinions on quite a few things in the world of cricket. But this is one area today we're going to discuss that I'm not totally sure how I stand and how I feel. And it's the IPL and how it is a terrific tournament in its own right, but how it kind of goes across some of the Test Match series and you get players having to pick and choose. Do you play in the IPL and get criticised for turning your back on your country? Do you play for your country and turn down the potential for two or three million dollars landing in your bank account, which might otherwise happen for a few weeks work? And as a cricket fan, and I'm a cricket lover, as Knuckle and I have talked about before on this podcast, I don't necessarily see myself necessarily as a, a rampant England fan anymore. I sit down and watch these test matches and just think, let's see some good cricket. Let's see Coley bat beautifully. Let's see Rohit Sharma do his stuff. Let's see Ravi Ashwin bamboozle a few England batsmen. And then fantastic Joe Root double century, Jimmy Anderson, what a genius. And those are the things I try and take out of a series these days. And I love cricket and I do the same with the IPL. So what I want to do today is ask Knuckle and Neil to try and point me in one direction and the other. Should it be IPL? Should that be seen as something important that players go to? Or should Test Match Cricket take precedence over all of that and players play for their country first? Neil, let's start with you. Have you got a fixed opinion on this or are you like me, a little bit contradicting yourself when you're thinking about it? I think the major issue that the ECB 
and certain other boards have is that they don't like the fact that the IPL especially, but the other leagues around the world as well to a certain extent, are now a proper competitor in terms of providing an annual wage to players. It used to be that making it into the test team or even just the ODI side would be the highest place that a player could get to in terms of making money. And the IPL especially has challenged that. And I think that that has definitely affected the views of C20 franchise cricket um, for boards and from there for fans around the world. The fact that Joss Butler or Ben Stokes in particular with his $2 million contract with Rajasthan, he must be earning more from the IPL than he is from the ECB. And he's also in a position, if the ECB were to act particularly badly towards him, to say, I don't need to play for you anymore. I don't need to play for England because I can earn a very decent wage, which is commensurate to my skill from another employer. And that monopoly that the boards had previously is now gone and there's a backlash against that. Just to come back on that then, Neil, and I'm going to pick up, pick up your arguments apart as we go through this. If you're growing up as a cricketer, surely the pinnacle of your career is to play for your country, isn't it? And to wear those three lines if you're English or to wear the, the, the Indian logo if you're Indian, etc. You know, in, in terms of your sort of status in the game, surely that comes a, above playing for the Rajasthan Royals in the IPL. Yes, but I don't think those are the, uh, the two arguments there. I think as cricketer, you want to play at the highest level. As a human being and a probably the main uh, breadwinner in your family, you want to provide the best for your family. And the biggest highlight um, or example of that is with the West Indies, where someone like Kyron Pollard, um, at the age of 21, um, took the decision that he could provide best for his family by playing T20 uh, franchises around the world rather than playing for the West Indies. Uh, they brought it back in a bit where the Pollards and the Gales um, will come back for uh, international white ball to a certain extent. But that is now the choice that players have. Whoever you are, I think that providing for your family is always going to be more important than the level to which you can do your job. Knuckle, help me out here. Try and steer me down a particular route. Well, Neil mentions the choice. The problem is that for a lot of players, it isn't a free choice or it's not an equal choice. England players are able to make those choices because the ECB have enough money to pay good contracts even for players who aren't on full test contracts they can get a good amount of money not just an amount to live on but amount an amount that is commensurate with that of a top professional sports person you know we're not talking necessarily the top um you know premier league or la league or nba wages we're not they're not making any forbes top tens anytime soon but they're earning good money and they're earning the kind of money that means for example mark wood can pull out of the ipl and prioritize his his family health and his and his mental health we can see james vince has pulled out of the ipl tom banton has pulled out of a few tournaments for for bubble reasons but they can make that choice and they've got the freedom to make that choice neil raises the west indies the because of the structure of the of the global finances of the game because of how unequal it is because of the financial control that was the exclusive preserve of england and australia for well over 100 years of the sports history and now in the last 30 30 years uh, has been become dominated by by India but it's the same system it's the same monopoly it's the same racket to some extent that 
means that the ICC isn't an actual governing body and doesn't have enough power to make sure that international cricket is not just the pinnacle in terms of what players want to do and in terms of the prestige that it holds, because there's no doubt that that's still the case. Uh, You hear players talk about this all the time, but it's almost an egotistical thing. It's almost a sense of how do I want to be remembered that is a very difficult thing to hold on to when it's a case of uh, as we've talked about providing for your family against not just lower wages but in some cases wages that really aren't up to very much uh, and that's because boards aren't being provided with enough uh, with enough funds to, to keep their players from having to chase the money in, in effect I think we we often get into this thing of blaming players of of saying of using the word mercenary and, and saying oh you know so and so chose to to do this and and to do that but the choice is not an equal one jason holder for example has called in previous years i think in last year maybe even the year before for something that i've been uh, an advocate of for a while and a number of us on guerrilla cricket have been advocates for for a while as of the icc to fund to a minimum level contract for for test players you know they 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 as much as everybody anyone else uses the the propaganda value of of, of test cricket and, and it makes great social capital and it makes great cricketing capital but then that isn't being backed up by the resources this is not uh, it's it's not a fair choice that a lot of these players have to make. The ICC is something that comes up a lot, isn't it? Here, in, in terms of their powers and in terms of their their role internationally. And we talked on the podcast before many times about the the big three having all of the power, all of the cash, and the likes of the West Indies, the South Africans, etc. Kind of being very much in their wake. And you know, you mentioned the players there and their choices. I mean, the reason we had for so many years a number of cold packs from South Africa playing in the county game was because they, you know, turning their back on the international team. And coming over and getting a sort of medium-sized contract for a county, the county contract was far bigger. And that they've got to think about how they're going to put food on the table in 20 years' time, haven't they? Well, indeed, uh, Duano Lafir, I think it was, said that you know he was being offered a, a top-level, top-grade central contract by South Africa. Yorkshire weren't offering him... They, he wasn't the highest-paid player at Yorkshire by any means, but it wasn't in the same ballpark financially. Um, and Yorkshire aren't even... You know, they're one of the better better remunerated and better financed counties but they've had a lot of financial problems over the over the years this isn't uh in in premier league terms they're not manchester city they're not even the manchester city of the county championship but when you're weighing those things up it is very difficult when the balance is so skewed in in one direction the icc has to take its share of responsibility for allowing t20 or almost abandoning the development side of the game and the globalization side of the game and then privately finance large largely T20 leagues have filled the gap if you're not of one of those three boards basically that can afford to pay big salaries for their for their international players your opportunity to make the sort of money that allows a professional athlete to as you say make up for the fact that it's a short career to to provide for their families to be able to uh to be able to have some sort of uh, some sort of security and and to feel as though they are valued as international athletes you pretty much have to play some sort of international of franchise T20 cricket because that's what's available to you. And it's still probably the case that international cricket will increase your value in that market. For, for the, I think there's there's very few occasions where that isn't the case, partly because of visibility as much as anything, because um, a lot of franchises still make decisions on what they can see on telly to a, to a large to a large extent. I think it's disingenuous to uh, to blame to blame the players, and I think it's picking the wrong target and doing what we do a lot of in the UK and focusing on individual rather than structures. BlackRatCricket.com Handmade English Willow Bats They do have a cashmere range for bats 0-4 to 
Starter kits all the way to pro-level kits. They're based in Yorkshire. There is team wear available and there is a new signature range coming soon in February. Bats made by cricketers for cricketers. Make 2021 count with Black Rat Cricket. Neil, ECB, yeah, you could argue that Indian cricket's got this right. They've got themselves a tournament they can be proud of, a tournament that earns a lot of money, and they basically play their players in their domestic tournament, the IPL, and they don't let their players play in other tournaments. So that, that just means that they they effectively own those players. You know, the players get remunerated for playing in the IPL and that's enough for them. ECB, you know, if we get to the situation, I mean, we just talking about the IPL being the biggest at the moment, but we've got other franchise tournaments around the world, as you hinted at earlier. And there's nothing to say that, you know, the 100, say, or another tournament that just crops up in, I don't know, Dubai, could suddenly become massive at another time in the year. So the IPL's just one at the moment in terms of its, you know, as a massive global tournament, but there could be others in the future. If the ECB continue to allow their players to play in the IPL and then in other competitions too, there's a potential rift there at some stage, isn't there? Because there's going to become a time where international cricket, the calendar there, you know, say I'm going to pick on Joss Butler. It could be anybody. But if Joss Butler says, right, I want to play in Dubai that week, I want to play in the IPL for that two months, I want to play in the Caribbean Premier League. And then the ECB turn around and say, well, I'm not going to allow you to. There's a potential rift there between the players and the board, isn't there? And that's exactly what happened with the West Indies. But with the ECB, I think for the contracted players, then the salary is so good that they can afford to a certain extent to say that. And it'd have to be for a good reason. It'd have to be because there was England cricket or in an extreme, if the player's playing all over the place, that it's just a case of they need to take a rest they need to recuperate from um, all this sport. But that's what being an employee is. If you are centrally contracted to the ECB, then uh, they can do that. The IPL is a bit of a standalone because of the primacy of BCCI and because of the money involved. The ICC have made that window where even England now are trying not to arrange test cricket during that time but there is domestic there, there is domestic cricket in England and it does cross over we've got, we've got the New Zealand series coming next summer haven't we where they've put that in shoehorned that in to try and get some extra cricket on the TV to get some books and uh, that is going to compromise players in the IPL there's going to be a crossover there there's some players aren't going to be able to play for England if their team gets to the latter stages of IPL 2021 and as I said you know the IPL as you said BCCI is the biggest organisation and it's their tournament and it's got it's got its own little kind of niche window. There's nothing to say that another tournament at some stage might not crop up to to rival the IPL. You know, in 20 years' time, we might have a totally different world where there's um, the Dubai All-Stars and everybody goes there for three months or something like that. We, we've, we've got to try and keep a lid on this somehow, haven't we? To a certain extent, if that happens, then there are going to have to be choices made by boards and by players. I don't think the way that current tournaments are set up. I mean, certainly the other two um, of the big three in their domestic tournaments, how many domestic international players actually play in those tournaments? I don't think David Warner's ever played in the Big Bash. Certainly Mitchell Stark has played occasionally, but hardly at all. And in the Blast, then you occasionally get some international players playing there a couple of games as a warm-up for international um, series coming up. But generally, English players will be playing for England, and that's going to be the same with the 100. 
that's one of the ridiculous things about the tournament, which shall not be named. All these uh, you, you just na- you just named it. <laughs> <laughs> I did, um, but yeah, all the England players are being assigned to um, to different squads, and they're going to be used on the advertising. But they're not going to play in India. Are over for a five match series. New Zealand are over for a two match series. There's the potential still that England will make the World Test Championship final. They're not going to be there for the games. They're going to be on billboards and not actually wearing the shirt out on the field. That in itself doesn't become so much of an issue at the moment. The contracting actually is a very interesting point because I can think of three players at the moment who've had an actual choice to make. Um, Moeen, Mark Wood and Johnny Bairstow, who aren't on Red Bull contracts but have had to take a huge um, chunk of their life, two months, where they're basically being paid a daily allowance. And if they get a game, then they'll get match fee and bonuses on top of that. And comparing that to the contracts that Moen has now got at the IPL, the contract that I think Mark Wood would uh, would have got a, a very nice contract considering how pace bowlers of quality went in the IPL, but he's chosen to give that up. And Johnny Bairstow gave up a big bash contract to go and play test cricket as well. White ball only players who were being called up to the test squad are being put pretty unfair position in terms of their earnings and providing for their families back at home in terms of just pure money there. And the ECB is going to have to look at that because there will be someone at one point who does a Pollard. I mean, if Mm. Josh Butler hadn't been brought back in by Ed Smith on basically a gut feel and his uh, T20 record back in 2015, then I could have seen him ending up being a a white ball only for England and going down the franchise routes. Um, The money that he would have been able to earn with a young family. Oh, it'd be huge. It'd be absolutely massive. Josh Butler could have been a world megastar on the white ball franchise stage. He could have played six franchise tournaments a year and had more money than you and I will ever see in a lifetime Um, across probably a couple of months. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Knuckle, I, I suggested there to Neil that the BCCI have got this right, that they contract their players, the players play in the tournament that they want them to play in the IPL and they don't play anywhere else. Now, you can say the BCCI have got it right, but if every single cricket board around the world went the same route, there'll be no cross-pollination at all in any of the T20 franchise tournaments and everything would fall apart from that score as well, wouldn't it? So the BCCI, in, in a way, are actually being quite selfish. Um, Kel Surprise. Yeah, again, you can do that if you're the BCCI. You can't do that if you're any other board. You don't 
don't have that option. So it's a bit of a bit of a moot point. I, I do also there's a couple of points on formats. One, you know, Neil Neil talked about the the test uh, players. You know, there's also the the, the white ball players. There's there's white ball series against against Pakistan, against against Sri Lanka. There's with the T20 World Cup on on the horizon. So there's another chunk of players who will be in the white ball bubble. Uh, this is even more exacerbated by COVID and won't be able to play any any domestic cricket realistically. Maybe the odd game here or there. And then again, maybe not because of the bubble, which makes it even worse. I do think that um, there's been a bit of a push. I saw Will McPherson of The Standard talking about this on Twitter, talking about how there may well need to be a, a re-evaluation or a complete rethink of how England do their contracts. That might well be the case, but we're getting a little bit into the weeds here. You almost need a bubble contract, don't you? <laughs> it's, it's not it's not the same, yeah, not the same uh, playing field. And the, and the thing is this year as well, Knuckle, because everything's bubbled up, because the World T20 is on the horizon and England have got a 17 test matches, it's a very unique year this year. Well, we've not had a year like this before, have we? But there's nothing probably, to say... And probably won't again. This is a very unusual set of circumstances. But big tournaments, it, all... big tournaments will come around again, though, and there will be other priorities in the future as well. And there will be probably internationals going through the IPR window. Yeah, very possibly. I mean, you know, it may be a moot point. I'm, for what it's worth, I'm not sure that Rajasthan Royals will be sniffing playoffs, so it might not be an issue for uh, for Joss Butler and, and Ben Stokes and Joffrey Archer. But you know, that's a, that's a bit of a moot point. And I think, the, really I think they actually did quite well in the auction yesterday, Rajasthan Royals. It may surprise you. Well, let's see. Anyway, as I say, that you know that you can't make your contract based on ba- contracting and long-term decisions based on that. There, there is a wider point here about how we have allowed ourselves to get into the position where formats are seen in opposition to each other. Yeah. And I am very sceptical of any this will krill cricket arguments, purely because I've read too much to not be. But one thing that will seriously damage the game and has already seriously damaged the game is the format wars. The idea that you cannot hold multiple forms of cricket deer at the same time. The, yes. Financing has people who people who make financial decisions are brought into this. I was gonna say I was gonna say this to you because I, I see so many fans. I saw fans yesterday, um, because the, the tournament that shan't be named is has its uh, um auction now next week we saw the IPL auction yesterday and I saw a lot of people saying I have never watched the IPL and I intend never to turn that television on when the IPL's here I'm thinking well you're missing out mate because if you're a cricket fan the IPL is absolutely brilliant value at times I watch every ball of test cricket I can I watch every ball of the IPL I can and I enjoy them both and I think you're doing yourself no favours as a cricket fan if you don't take that attitude because it isn't T20 against test cricket it isn't first class against 50 over we should try and get a situation where they all rub along together and help each other out shouldn't we absolutely um and the ecb to their credit have begun to take that attitude you know the idea that you know every time england lost a test for a while it was about uh during the from 2015 onwards it was about you know england don't care enough about test cricket and they're prioritizing the white ball stuff i didn't see any of those people not celebrating when england won the 50 over world cup for right. example and it's just absolute uh, it's absolute nonsense that the idea that if you are sufficiently well resourced that you can't have multiple priorities at the same time when kevin peterson wanted to play the ipl it was a gigantic diplomatic incident and it was the death of test cricket and uh, and all of this nonsense and everyone just projecting their opinions of Kevin Peterson on, on, on everything else. And it does, as you say, do a massive disservice to you as a cricket fan and to cricket generally. The cricket sphere as a whole has bought into this idea and it's now it's very difficult now to unpick this idea of division and of, of dichotomy. And I every time I get asked this question, IPL versus test cricket, T20 versus te- test cricket, I reject this dichotomy utterly. I reject this false false uh, pairing up of opposition this this format warrior thing will it does a huge disservice to the game 
this coming summer where New Zealand arrive in this country to play two test matches against England and potentially three or four or five of England's team are still in India and they have a, a different test team that England play. It'll still be a very good test team because England have got a strength in depth, don't get me wrong. If a Joss Butler and a Joffre Archer, etc. are still in India, people will turn around on Twitter and say, this is a disgrace. They will. I don't think that you can necessarily... And they they wouldn't... I'm not going to say that they would necessarily be wrong or that they wouldn't have some potential argument with that. Although I do think it's worth taking the emotional heat out of the situation to some extent. You know, there's a very, there are there are legitimate reasons to keep players in the IPL uh, playoffs. You know, these are uh, it is arguably a more relevant challenge for England uh, England players, given that there's a T20 World Cup coming up, rather than a rather than a Test series that isn't in the World Test Championship. I'm not completely sure about that argument, but you can you can we, at least you do make see, that when, case. When you, when you see these record chases on day fours and fives of test matches now and people say well test cricket's getting better because white ball skills are coming into this a lot of those white ball skills were learnt in the IPL yeah 100% um, and doing it under pressure and doing it against world class players and taking taking the learnings from world class players you talked about a lack of cross pollination test cricket because it's a because it's a, a national sport you know there isn't you would get the sort of dressing room um, and you know post match you know with a with a beverage you know talking about oh, how do you bowl that or how do you grip the bat or whatever but it's not the same as doing it for you know weeks on end with sharing dressing rooms with people and, and training with people and getting a little bit more culturally sensitive for for want of a better phrase. You know, Ben Stokes isn't able to reverse sweep Nathan Lyon over over a deep point on the boundary for six without those skills. Or Joss Butler and Chris Wokes aren't able to to do what they did against Pakistan. Or Kusal Pereira isn't able to do what he did at Durban against against South Africa. And, and you can go on and on and on and on. Risha Punt, um, you know, who was you know a very good first class player as well as being a, a good a good t20 player what particularly frustrates me is that you will get a certain number of a certain number of people every time there's a good test match which is almost every test match as you and i have talked about before you will get people saying hang your t20 stuff your t20 this is what it's about why do we need to defend and celebrate test cricket in opposition to t20 cricket yeah. i don't understand that at all like it's brilliant enough by itself talk about that there's more than enough to go into there come on you're I missing t- out totally agree Neil, the individual sportsmen and Knuckle, as Knuckle said earlier, yeah, we blame them far too quickly. They've got a limited window for a career. They're trying to make as much money, get as much success as they can in their career. I think sometimes as supporters, we get a little bit too almost, we're probably more emotional about their selection and non-selection and them getting injured and missing series and ultimately getting dropped by England, a player that you've kind of you know, grown to love, suddenly gets axed and you think, well, maybe they should have give, been given more, probably than the individual themselves, because those individuals have got families, have got other things on the plate that maybe having other outside business interests. For them, getting dropped by England is a setback, but it's probably not the be-all and end-all. I think sometimes we get a bit too wound up in personal choices by players and you know need to look at the bigger picture. Absolutely agree. And I think it comes down to players previously being sole employees of the respected board, but now really having the national board as one of a number of uh, employers alongside a number of different franchises. I think boards have also got to be a bit braver in resting players now and again. We see that with India. I've seen Virats rested from, well, the only test game was the one against Afghanistan, um, I think, but from ODI series and from T20 series to make sure that they look after the his physical health, but also it's 
their long-term investment. Totally. Um, if I, totally, I totally get that. But we also had a chat on one of the WhatsApp groups for the uh, for the Big Bash, I think, where one of the uh, fan reps on that was saying, yeah, but if I've bought my ticket, if I've spent my 85 quid or whatever to buy an expensive ticket for day three of that test match and Virat Kohli is not playing for India because he's been arrested, I'm going to feel shortchanged. You're buying a ticket to see India, not see Virat Kohli. But you take the um, point. You want to see the best India, don't you? You want to see the best India, but you want to see the best India long term. And if that means flogging Virat into the ground so that he breaks into a, a puddle um, in a couple of years, I don't think that's good for anyone. But he's not going. He's not going to look very good on the posters, is he? For if he's a puddle, <laughs> he'll still manage to style it out, I'm sure, <laughs> and, uh, and get some advertising dollars. The only person I really see England do that with, and that has come with some um, some backlash through friends in the media is Joe Roots, who since his wonderful World Cup last time round, and I remind everyone that it's five years ago, has played about 20 T20 matches. And I'm sure that is purely because he's so important to the ODI side and he's the test captain. And it would have just been way too much cricket for him. He's, he's missing the white ball at the end of this Indian tour, isn't he? He's coming home to spend some time with the family as part of this rotation and rest um, policy that England have got. Very quickly, Knuckle, how concerned are you for cricket going forward with these conflicting formats going at each other and everybody getting a little bit protective of the thing they like best? I mean, I've, I kind of gave my answer to the first bit in that I think it's a bit of a false, not a bit of a false debate. I think it is a false debate. And there are, at the risk, of going a bit life of Brian and saying brothers should, we should not be fighting amongst ourselves the, the thing that needs to be focused I'll, on I'll is, tell you what just to cut in that's the first time life of Brian's been mentioned on the Cricket Badger podcast and I applaud you sir it won't be the last uh, probably it shouldn't be the last England can make that choice in terms of resting players because they've got the bench strength to do so England can afford to look at cricket and this absurd treadmill that they that they get on and India as well India at one point I think in 2016-17 played a home test every two weeks for six months and that's not counting any white ball stuff. I mean, that that's just not sustainable, really. Um, but that's an entirely different debate. You've got the resources, you've got the bench, you've got the strength and depth. Most other boards don't have those resources. That system has been allowed to develop and has never been actually moved on. World cricket has never actually been allowed to globalise and democratise and resource itself properly. I, uh, I, said, I said on the podcast the other day, Knuckle, that I, I picked three separate teams and we were talking um, on the Big Bash podcast about picking three separate teams, one for Test cricket, one for ODIs and one for T20s with totally different personnel for England in, in each of those three teams. And if you look at those three teams in, sep- in isolation, you'd be happy with any of those teams going out to represent England because they were good enough. England have got real strength, strength in depth, but if you actually start to scratch the surface of New Zealand if you go down to their second or third team nowhere near as strong yeah and that's partly playing player base but it's also you know what it's also a resource question like you need to be able to resource yeah. the coaching and development of and facilities of, of players before they get to that international level or before they get to that top level of domestic cricket like uh, Sri Lanka take Sri Lanka as an example you know a country that's done remarkably well to produce fantastic cricketers I think there are two sets of indoor nets in the entire country most a lot of schools have more than in the UK have more than that. Can take any another of any number of other examples. New Zealand can't afford to play more than two home test matches back to back. Ireland had to get loan bailed out by their own CEO. Well, when Toby, uh, Toby Radford came on the podcast um, after after the West Indies series last year, he he said that when he first took over as the uh, sort of academy director over there, he he 
they had two nets and it was quite ropey sort of situation. He had, you know, you had to travel quite a distance to actually go and find any decent practice surfaces. And yeah, this is West Indies cricket. You know, struggling for actually equipment to actually train the professional athletes that are up and coming. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, you would never see that in this country. And that, that is why it's so in, inequitable and why the, the ICC need to be a little bit more proactive on this and actually spread the wealth a bit more. Neil, in terms of the, the players themselves, uh, or the spectators and their views of the players themselves, there seems to be more of a respect for, say, a Joe Root, who scores a double century in the Test match, than an Alex Hales or a you know a, a journeyman, a Kieran Pollard even, that goes around and makes his living in T20 cricket. There's a bit of stigma, a bit of snobbery. I think I definitely agree with that. And I think there's a misconception that a lot of fans have as well as to what a white ball franchise player's life is like. People aren't on Ben Stokes' contracts. They're not getting $2 million for a gig, not 99% of them. Um, I heard Luke Wright talk about the first time he went out to the IPL. He actually ended up paying out for the privilege of being there for six weeks, learning from playing with the best players in the world. And there was an investment in his future to pay that money. I think in the end, the ECB ended up re- reimbursing him because they started to realise what players were gaining from that. There are other players as well who are getting middling contracts. And Samuel Badry, I think two-time World Cup winner, um, still worked as a PE teacher back in the West Indies mm. to supplement his income. And the amount of investment in yourself you have to make to take that leap out of employment to become self-employed to be paying for coaches to and physio in the off season and taking the risk I often think about the tennis tour and you know you've got your Djokovic's and your top end guys who are earning millions and millions of pounds they've got their entourages and it's just small change the hotel bills the, the plane flights is small change because they're making huge amounts of money you go down the list though and you get out the world's top 100 and they're still making good money but when you actually think they're going around the world paying individuals to work for them hotel bills and everything else that is added up by the time they finish they haven't got much left have they? No absolutely and and also, you, you become at the mercy of market forces. We've just had a mini auction, which are notoriously a lot more volatile than a standard mega auction where each team can only hold on to three players. Here, it is specifically um, supply and demand. What was really in demand this time was fast bowlers, well, actually, pretty much every time it's fast bowlers. But there was a certain need for fast bowlers compared to other positions, which meant that we had three guys going for $1.5 million. Whereas Alex Hales, who, whatever you think about him in an England shirt, on the T20 franchise circuit is regularly one of the best batsmen in whatever league uh, he goes into. But there were probably only one maybe two teams who actually needed an opener this time. Hmm. He's taken a great risk, only, only taking a white ball contracts with Nottinghamshire so that he can play in the C20 franchises. But suddenly, through no fault of his own, and despite amazing performance in the Big Bash, he doesn't um, get what would be the big payday of the year. And it takes a certain confidence in yourself to be able to do that rather than rely on the sole employer that you have. So I saw a tweet yesterday, Knuckle, from, uh, I think it was Simon Hughes. He was commenting that uh, in one of the franchises, you've got, like a Chris Morris, I think, was the most expensive player yesterday. He went for about $2.2 million. And in the same franchise, not, not, a, not a little player, Shreyas Gopal was 
valued at $27,000. Yeah, the discrepancy there from top to bottom is, is massive, isn't it? Yeah, and Shreyas Gopal is a regular starter for the Rajasthan yeah, Royals. good player. <laughs> You're talking about the fastballers, Neil. I did see Sam Billings uh, tweeting yesterday. Uh, uh, my girlfriend turned to me and said, why aren't you a bowler? <laughs> uh, which is a lovely little comment. Billings did eventually get picked up, although he probably won't, won't play. Yeah, I mean, there is a... I th- I'm sure it's supposed to be respect for Test cricket, but it ends up being snobbery towards white ball cricket. And we talked about this a little bit earlier when people feeling the need to, rather than celebrate white, uh, Test cricket and how brilliant it is, seem to almost defend it against some some idea of what they think white ball cricket is or what they think white ball fandom is, which is curious, really, when you when you think about it. For, uh, beyond for more than a few seconds, uh, it doesn't really make a huge deal of sense. I'll tell you what, we, we could talk about this for hours on end and we'd better stop um, because the listeners probably haven't got as much time as we have. But um, I'm going to give you a magic wand, one final wish, one waft of the wand to try and change something in world cricket to, to make this potentially better, easier, healthier, whatever going forward. Neil? I think in cricket, in life, in love, just be more like New Zealand. Have a (laughs) chat with your players. Come to a compromise between playing internationally for your country, but still being allowed to go out and play a certain number of T20 franchises like Baz McCullum and Kane Williamson and Bolton Southey and Tim Seifert, etc. do. Understand that you're not the only game in town and work in an adult way with your players so there isn't resentment on either side. You got very philosophical at the start of that. I'm just wondering if your long-suffering wife calls you Kiwi. Is that is, is that how you attack your marriage as, as New Zealand? <laughs> if only I were as nice as Kane Williamson. And uh, I, I'm sure there are a lot of guys who think that and a lot of women who think that about their men. Knuckle, you have the magic wand now. Neil's passed it on. What are you going to do with it? Uh, well, just uh, not everything New Zealand do is correct. And on that note, I was delighted to see that Scott Kugeline did not get picked up this year. Um, the thing, I, I'm, I'm going to make it this, uh, I'm going to slightly cheat and make this a twofer. One, extend the World Test Championship and make it div- two divisions of, I think maybe two, maybe even three divisions of six and basically replicate what you used to have with the Intercontinental Cup for the top ranked uh, associate nations to be able to play multi-day cricket. Have that divisional promotion relegation uh, and extend the, the franchise, as it were, of, of Test cricket. And the other thing is, uh, I would absolutely echo Jason Holder's call for the ICC to fund a minimum contract level for, let's say, 15, yeah. 15 players at, at test level for, for every nation to at least make the choice a little bit more equitable. I don't, you know, it is not realistic as much as I would love it for the ICC to become a proper governing body and centralise control of uh, of the money and of the calendar. That That isn't going to happen anytime soon as much as I would love it to. But I think those two things are things that are within the ICC's power. I, I did like when I'd done Norcross on the podcast um, quite a while ago now, I think it was, but we, we were talking about the things we'd change. And one of the things Dan brought up was that the ICC again having a little bit more teeth and a little bit more power sending some of the associate nation guys to play in the county championship for a county but funding them so the counties didn't have to actually foot the bill they paid them the 20,000 for the summer or something so that they could go across not necessarily met the 11 but get some experience and get better so that to kind of bring up the associate nations in, in comparison well, to some of the I mean, as, as it is counties aren't allowed to sign non-full member players as, as overseas players and a good example of that um, I know we're wrapping up Anshuman Rath the former captain of Hong Kong Middlesex really wanted him. He was a, he was one of the best players in the Middlesex second eleven. Um, educated at Harrow, I think. Ended up not being able to play for them because he he uh, and then has now quit Hong Kong and is trying to make a career in Indian domestic cricket. But that well, was a guy who Middlesex really wanted but weren't allowed to sign. 
And whose rule was it that stopped them? Uh, I think that's an ECB regulation. Well, the ICC and the, all, the, all the boards have to work together on that, then, to actually make it a little bit more equitable, I think, anyway. But uh, in terms of the, the overall mission of this podcast in, and you steering me in a particular direction to make my mind less foggy, I'm not sure it's worked, guys. <laughs> really not sure it's worked. The, the thing that I, I did like, um, the uh, Knuckles point, that maybe we should not just have the argument that it, we just respect test cricket, respect white ball cricket, whatever will be, will be, and actually actually having podcasts like this accentuate the debate so maybe we've done a bad thing by talking about it but it have been really interesting to talk to you both Neil and Knackle thank you very much for joining me today thanks a lot James pleasure James as ever and uh, thank you everybody for listening we've got uh, a few more test dailies to come not test dailies but test dailies to come before we get to Wednesday's starting point for the third test match really looking forward to that seen some of the pictures of the ground today and it looks an absolute uh, it's a big round thing it, it's got not massive character I can imagine when there's 110 thousand in there for an IPL game in the future that is going to be absolutely rocking so really looking forward to watching the third test match India against England will obviously be bringing you test dailies all the way through that one we'll be back every single day going through England's tour of India I've been James the Cricket Badger I'll talk to you again tomorrow Thanks for listening we will be back every day during England's tour of India Get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on Twitter. We hope you are enjoying the cricket. See you again tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.